Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Rambling Ambos. As always, the opinions and ideas of those on the show are their own. They do not reflect any service or organisation they may be associated with. Coming up on today's episode... Sandy joins the team to co-host the show as we kick things off with our biggest You've Got To Be Kidding moments. In the debrief, we tap into Sandy's 22 years of experience as an intensive and extended care paramedic. Plus, we take a quick look at the latest AstraZeneca vaccine developments. Later in the clinical corner, it's a huge case conundrum involving one of the largest animals on Earth. But stay up to date by liking us on Facebook or Instagram, and all this and much more is coming up now. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Rambling Ambos. My name is Carl. This is episode three. And Genevieve. Hello. You're here too. I am here. Oh. For a surprise for us. Welcome back. And Lee. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Great uh, Great intro. Really appreciate the uh, enthusiasm. I've got lots to bring Fantastic. this week. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've, you've come with a little less mm. by the looks I've got of a things. Big, I've got a haircut. Lopped mm. it all off. Mm. You're not the only one, Jen. Yeah, got done? rid of it. Got rid of it. You know what? It's too much. Sorry, too much effort. really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. No, what no did worries. you do with it? I cut over 20 centimetres off and donated it. Oh, mm. nice. To who? Mm. Mm. To um, I don't. I don't actually know if that's right. Uh, sustainable salons. They do wig making. Oh, yeah. So lovely. someone can have a good old little frizzy fro. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, guys, I've actually got um, a fairly big announcement here. Yes. <gasps> It is one year since we started Rambling Ambos. Happy Who'd birthday have to Who would have thought we'd make it here? Um, well, in fact, the paramedic shop um, thought that and they've uh, they've come on board with a, an awesome present um, for us to give away. Um, in fact, they're giving you the chance to win a brand new pair of the ultimate piece of paramedicine equipment. Now, what do you think that would be? Oh. If you could name one piece of... Oh, well, hang on now. This this sucks. You already know what it is. Guys, you're getting the chance to win a brand new <laughs> pair of Raptor trauma shears. I was I was going to say that, though. They are amazing. Like, if there's if there's a gift that you can give someone um, who's a paramedic and, and you don't know what you're going to give them, yeah. they even come in different colours now. <gasps> so you can really match their personality. I thought they, they were keep- always black. No, no, no you not any more. Colours. Mm. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. You could just keep cutting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The more the more expensive <laughs> pairs of motorcycle <laughs> leathers you can cut, the better. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets have you made the um have you made the uh mistake of cutting the puffer jacket? Yes. <laughs> I've never seen that. Goes goes everywhere. Oh, looks like a goose has been hit by a oh, car. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Or a thousand geese. <laughs> yeah. More like it. So whoever gets Ooh. this present has to do that as At their first cut. Find the puffy jacket and send it back into and we us. Come, we're coming into winter, so the more north yeah. faces that we can destroy, <laughs> the better. And send your photos in, yeah, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you do, that would be great. But um, guys, it is not just here us here in the room either. We're in fact joined uh, by a pretty spectacular person uh, who's co-hosting us today with us today, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Yay, oh, Sandy. Yay, thanks, guys. Happy yeah. birthday. Yay. Thank Happy you. birthday. I'm here at the birthday party. What yeah. a huge yeah, celebration. Well, we a bit of chocolate. Well, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Sandy did bring Easter eggs. Mm. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you were going to introduce me as a pretty Ambo then. <laughs> we're here with a pretty, and I went, never been introduced like that before. Oh, we can restart that and put that back in there. Oh, but not only are you pretty, Sandy, <laughs> um, 22 years in the job. Pretty old. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that pretty, not me. Pretty old. <laughs> pretty um, old. Intensive care paramedic, extended care paramedic. Is there anything that you haven't done? 
Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a peer support officer. So you, yeah. you got the whole shebang there. That's There's, awesome. That's my, that's my little repertoire. Mm. Yes, it's kept, me, it's kept me entertained over the last 22 years. Yeah, jeez, 22 years. Half my life. In, as an ambo. Actually half my life. So what year did you join? 99. 99. I'm about to turn 44. Wow. Oh. Well, you didn't have to say that, but that's not that Out old. Of yeah. ICP, ECP and peer support, what's your favourite? I I would have given up nothing um, for my IC Mm, experience. But having had enough of that, like I I felt like I saturated pretty Mm. well in that skill set. I love ECP. Mm. I'm a little bit like give me a good wound and Mm, um, a bit of time. I get very enthusiastic about Mm. skin tears and stuff. But but I've I've had a lot of IC exposure. I'm not so chuffed about the catheters, but... uh, (laughs) Hey, yeah, look, we've all been there. But um, <laughs> look, uh, we're, we're going to get into um, a little bit more about your story and um, and your experiences uh, within the job. But um, before we do, we normally kick off the show with the um, top five caller statements or the, the caller statements that are you know we find particularly funny. But instead of that, um, we're, we're we're talking about the jobs that we've gone to that have kind of been built up as something maybe interesting. You get there and it's nothing. Mm. Uh, which is pretty much the old what, BS. Which is pretty much ninety percent of what we do anyway, <laughs> really. Um, but it's it's the jobs where you go, are you kidding? So you ready? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding this me? does go on this for a little while. How did are you get all these? Did you, you cut all these together? Me? Are you kidding me? Hang are on, we're not there yet. Oh, there we go. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Well, all right. Well, I'll kick us off then if you like. Go, go for it. Um, so we'll call to a significant eye injury. Ooh. And I don't know about you guys, but eyes just gross me out. Like yeah. anything to do with the eye, I'm yeah. already like got goosebumps yeah. um, on the way. And and the notes weren't particularly um, descriptive. It just said significant eye injury um, for a 75-year-old down in a lovely part of the world, uh, expensive mm. part of the world. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we rock on up and um, this little old lady, Dulcie, uh, opens a door and she's standing there and uh, her, there's there's nothing sticking out of her eye, oh. um, which what to be shame. honest, which is kind of nice. <laughs> is it? But um, but there was something in her eye and it was an eyelash. <gasps> I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yes. You've got to be kidding me. An eyelash. No. Wow. What did you do, Carl? So that's a good ACP job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, How really? I find that strangely satisfying. Oh. Really? But Andy, yeah, uh, well. oh, sorry, Sandy, as an ECP, what would you do for that job? Well, I actually saw um, a, a, a very senior Ambo demonstrate, and it's uh, not an eyelash on the top lid, but there was it was actually um, it was a powder-based fire extinguisher that oh. went off and coated the inside oh, of. Completely different story there, Sandy. Oh, I mean, no, it was, it was irritating. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to save my um, story here of <laughs> being like. <yeah. laughs> you know what I, I would do? I would know, get. I would think I would get a 50 mil syringe, fill it. And then a very small gauge <laughs> catheter tip, and then I would just stand back and I would hose the inside of this woman's eyeball until it was gone. You know what? That's that's not a bad idea. And I would just write it up as irrigating. You know what? You know yeah. when you when you go in and you're prepared to lecture someone and like this is so inappropriate. Why have you called an ambulance? Oh, la, 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 la. I just started laughing. I was yeah. just like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing? I can't be bothered doing that anymore. The lecturing anymore. I just mm. you it's know not lecturing. It's education. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't you get the be bothered. Uh, no, I think we um we told her to go see a doctor. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, really? Even yeah. the doctor would be like, yeah. "What? Are you kidding? 
That's amazing. No, I recently had a special ops job of a woman who fell four metres um, oh. down this walking track that I'm familiar with and I don't distinctly remember any <laughs> cliffs anywhere that were four metres in length. Anyway, so, you know, that's fine. Um, bigger than Ben-Hur, you know, me, yeah, another special yeah. ops person there. We're getting a boat to see if you've we can get secondary coming, access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's there. Anyway, I do the hike in, which, by the way, was told to me as a kilometre. It was two and a half. Thank you very much. Oh. And um, get to her. Oh, no, 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 no. She's just, like, stumbled the, di- the flat distance of four metres oh. and then fallen over her oh. own feet. Oh, Fall from standing height. Good four metres after tripping. <laughs> so that's a pretty good effort, though, for a stumble. It is. It's like a banana slip stumble. Yeah. Of it's like, a very accurate oh. depiction of how long she stumbled for. Like, hmm, yep. who measures that? Her, her posse of other 70-year-old female friends who mm. were all there on this hiking you know track. You I see a theme mm. here. Yeah. They're all 70. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was um that was a nice little walk back out because she was a okay. Oh. oh, well, fantastic. Thank you. Are you kidding? <laughs> Did you say that when you got that? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no, like I said, education's not my strong yeah. suit anymore. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Sandy, do you have one? Oh, look, I've got one thousand. or two. Yeah. I got one or two. There's a couple that spring to mind. One was the um an eye injury actually on the back of your story, serious Ooh. eye injury, and it was when we got there, it was snakes coming out of his eyes. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Is it is having a significant? It was a bit of a significant. It episode. was, it was. Mm. So we yeah we we dealt with that one appropriately. But but there was another one. Uh, um, and that would have been quite interesting to see. Yeah, I mean was, I have seen convinced. it at a hoarder's house when the person's been on the ground for a few days and they've had not so much snakes but perhaps oh, other oh, wriggly, mm. pretty creatures. Yeah. yeah, gross. Wriggling out of the eyes. Mm. Still Please, some respect, please. Remember, they're Sorry. still patients too. Sorry, that's right. They are. They are. <laughs> I didn't hear what he said. Might have to block that I out said, one. No. That's absolutely gross. Uh, there was another one. Called to um, person in bed, query code two, everyone's oh. on the way, 3 a.m. in the morning, winter. Mm-hmm. We get their electric blankets on too hot. Mm. Oh. Lecky blanket was on three. <laughs> oh, oh not not one, not oh, two. No, it was on three. It was very oh, hot. No. You yeah, know what? Headache. I mean, and that, that would make you sweat a little bit. Make you, it would make you sweat. It yes. would make you sweat. Do you want to know my one? Yeah. Mm. I was in a very, very um, busy part of town and we, we got this call to a uh, face, a stabbed in the face, you know, mm. and it's a, that's a big job. Everyone hears it. Everyone jumps it. Mm. Cops, you know, mm. Ambos. Did you coming. jump it or were you actually tasked We were actually to tasked. Oh, I'm not that kind rubbish, of guy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, medical team had responded and when we got there, we realised that it was um, a, someone had been stabbed in the face, oh. but with a protractor. Hang on. Oh. That's so like a math thing, the, right? It's, it's like a math thing. The you circle know drawer. Pro- yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it's a tip. Is that like, the wedge? It, it is. Mm. No, no, no. It's the like metal standing legs thing that you spread out you to draw a draw circle. A circle. Is that a compass? Oh, is no. it a compass? No, no. I think you're right. It might be a protractor. It's a protractor. Yeah. Regardless, the tip of the protractor is about a millimetre <laughs> long. Very sharp. It's very sharp, but it's about a millimetre long. <laughs> yep. And it had gone into his forehead and <laughs> hadn't even drawn blood. You could probably do more damage with a 24-gauge cannula. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was legitimately stabbed in the face. Oh, I don't know go. if it needed the medical team. Mm. What was so the not radius of the injury, though? Yeah, <laughs> I oh, like good it, one. Sandy. Good, good bit of Gosh, geometry. A bit of a that's geometry quick. joke there. Oh wow! Good. Yeah. So I said, "Are you kidding me?" And then we we left. Oh, there you go. Bam. Are you kidding? Well, there you go. Okay. I, I, I guess <laughs> I guess not. Well, all right. Well, guys, look. Let's learn a little bit more about Sandy, and we'll do that in the debrief. 
Now, Sandy, you're not only an intensive care ECP paramedic um, and peer support officer and a mm. mother of two, mm. um, but you're actually a published author as well. I know, right? Um, you have uh, written the book. Is that how you say it? Composed the book. Mm. I think um, written is... Yeah. Authored. Authored the book, Paramedic, The Remarkable Resilience of the Human Spirit. Mm. What prompted you to... to what on earth? Yeah. What prompted wow. that? To be honest. Money? <laughs> <laughs> because this is what Rambling well, you know Ambers about. We're just having got there yet. Yeah. No. It must be money because Sandy's actually wearing two watches. Why are you wearing two oh. watches? I know. And you'll notice they're different times. Oh, hey. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Is oh. that get just the life of an okay, author? Yep. You travel okay, yep. so much. My dream. No. Sorry, let's get back to you. So what, what's prompted you to? Well, you know, I kicked off my career at the SAC. Mm-hmm. In, in the, I did my first ten years at the SAC, and we in, we in were Sydney. in Sydney. Yeah, we we had a we were very excited to get a computer back oh. in the day. Yeah, yeah, we had a computer, yeah. and um, it had uh, word capacity. Oh wow, oh, my yeah. favourite. Yeah. I know, not even yes. not even Notepad. We're, we're <laughs> talking the next level up. Word. Okay. This wow. is Microsoft Office here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and back in the day when I actually had energy. I um I didn't sleep at night shift. I loved having a cup of tea and a and a bit of Vegemite toast and um and I'm a writer. I I've, I've always written journals oh, wow. and I've always done reflective writing and and what have you and and I just found myself kind of clicking on the key keyboards and writing stories that of of moments in time that I found quite moving. Never thinking for a, for a moment that anything would ever be published, but yeah. I started those kind of story um, collation back way back when. What well, did you start those stories when you first? joined the job or like how many years in did you start writing things down or is this something that you've always done? Pretty early. Yeah, pretty When did we get the computer? Yeah, it was like a few years. Yeah, a couple of years in. That'll be handy because everyone asks, you know, what are your interesting jobs? I can never think of it off the top of my head if I had something written down. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when you keep a bit of a journal or, or, um, you know, you take the time to actually log your thoughts or your feelings about a certain thing because you forget. Mm. You forget if something makes a big impact. And I just found like once I kind of engaged with that process, I would write, write stories purely for my own um my own collection yeah yeah and um yeah like I, I suddenly life sort of starts popping in this way like a job you know you just have those kind of moments with with patients or jobs that you go oh like that that's mm. that's a really interesting moment in time that just happened like mm. for whatever reason how yeah. did you like frame those stories was it just like a recount of what happened and how you felt or what, like What's your writing style sort of like? Like how were they written? So the first, the, the working title when I, when I actually had the, the stories together for my mm. own, it was the, the title that I was using was, um, it was about um, moments. Yeah. Mm. Um, what did I actually, yeah, it was about these um, moments in time that are kind of game changer moments yeah, that, okay. that we as Ambos are often there for. You know, mm. we're there in that kind of moment in time where whether it be a, a person, a deceased person or life, you know, sort of a catastrophic life-changing event mm. or, or what have you and, and, and they're unexpected moments. It's so it, it's like suddenly it's all upon you and, and, you know, to kind of share in that encounter or be you know, instrumental in that encounter mm. yeah. kind of, you know, in the way that my 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 mind works, or the, my narrative kind of unfolds, yeah. is it's about it's about kind of highlighting n- not the the clinical side of things, but that the human side of things yeah, that gives right. us this unexpected moment that's kind of rich or or, or you know um, inspiring or mm. outrageously funny or yeah. what have you. You know, so 
Well, I mean, and, and joining the job um, back then, you know, at the moment where there's a lot of talk about um, gender in the, in the workplace and um, a lot of scrutiny about that, how did you find um, uh, being a woman joining the job in the year 2000? But not only that, becoming a, an intensive care paramedic um, and, and being that clinical leader, I mean... The girls uh, in the job at the moment are fantastic, Jen. Thanks. Um, thanks. Yeah, you got to say that one for Jen here, but uh, no, honestly, it, it's how did you, how did you navigate that um, environment? Oh, and it's so inspiring. Like uh, you know, the, the the women that are in the job now, like doing SOT positions, like mm. Jen, or you know, like really like climbing the, the the ladder in any area is so incredibly inspiring because it wasn't like that when I joined. Like yeah. it was not. It was it was male dominated, and there were certain pockets um, of work that um, that I was. W- would assume that would I would never even um, think that I could apply for. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, yeah. And you know, um, yeah, it just it just wasn't there. There was there was a couple of women that you know the women that that were ahead of me that were really in, in, in inspirational in that regard we're a minority mm. now we're, we're I think we're statistically you, you know at least 50 50 we're a bit over I think so um yeah. it, it's lovely to see women you know really going for it and and, well, and you can absolutely. just take and run with it and it is interesting because I always uh, you know uh, my naivety I've always you know my class was 50 50 and it's you know I've always been co-ed school and all those kind of things but I did notice it on a job recently um where in fact back actually when I was a trainee and I was working with a, a female partner and um, we're going into this hospital for a handover of this patient and um, the, the doctor's there, an older male um, doctor, and um, we walk in and he's looking directly at me even though yeah. I'm standing behind my partner and mm. he's uh, giving me the handover. And, uh, and I said, no, uh, I'm not the um, treating mm. paramedic here. Mm. It's my, um, uh, my crewmate here. And um, still didn't change it. Looked at her for, you know, a few yeah, seconds, but then looked straight back at me. There's and, still and work to be done. Like, yeah. I'm, I love what you've said, Sandy, mm. that, that it's sort of, it's starting to, this find, you're finding the equality, but there's still lots of work to be done on behalf of men. Like, men, mm. and, and and speaking on behalf of men, really need to do a lot of work to, um, to really properly, in, uh, I guess, grab hold of that equality mm. And, mm. and make sure it is actually equal. You yeah, know. and the assumptions that we make. You know, I used to field uh, comments kind of like, um, when you drive the big truck, yes. do you, yes. darling? Oh, you get that that still happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drive the big truck. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- but I've seen so much change. That's good. So much change. It's very, very refreshing and, you know, and I, I, I it's never it, – it's been really nice being able to progress through the, the career option that I've wanted to do, um, not feeling that, that, you know, gender has held you back. Has held me back at all. Yeah. And, you know, and certainly being level five, or, 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 you know, I've never, um, it, yeah, I mean, we're the same uniform. Um, we had the same goals to achieve the, the same competitive criteria or what have you yeah. for the most part. But, it, but I agree, we've got, there's a lot of work to do because and there's a lot of. But you're always, you're always starting a little bit behind that eight ball, just from a human factors perspective, being female, it's well documented that that, that, that gives you less. Um, it gives, Credibility almost. Well, yeah. Like, mm. so, so there's lots of, lots of research about human factors and in regards to team leadership and women just have it so much harder. Because mm. of the men who think, mm. or who who you know, and, and I guess they're that you know. I mean, it's it's also sort of well documented that a middle aged white male with a beard is the most authoritative person. Really? Yeah, I'm not surprised, but I didn't know that. that yeah, was. and that is often not the case for mm. our team leaders in our workforce. Yeah. Mm. you know. 
I guess I have a question for you, Sandy. In terms mm. of um, choosing to to do intensive care and extended care, what like I know everyone we can all do it, but what made you think that you can do it? What made you choose to pursue it? And did you have any inspirational sort of role models in that field, or were you just like, no, nah, this is my thing and I can do it? Oh, totally. You know, uh, so many inspiring um, women mm. around, and you know, the the mentors that I had that were level five around me when I was cutting my teeth, you know, as a primary care, were just they were very scary. Yeah, yeah. very scary. Nothing's <laughs> changed. Yeah. <laughs> I work like extra hard to 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 not come across as scary, you know, with with other people and colleagues because I know that that can happen a little bit, like yeah. just with, with it, male or female. But yeah, had a lot of really wonderful role models and. Um, that didn't work, Sandy, because you're terrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I didn't doubt it. Like yeah. I didn't. I maybe it was Sydney Metro or whatever for for, for that particular role. I never doubted that that um, you know that 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 was going to be a, a natural career progression mm. for me if I could cut the clinical side of things. Um, yeah. No, that's mm. really good because I think I think I don't know, but now I feel like you know out there women women know that they're perfectly capable of doing the roles and and I from what I see in my limited scope of you know everyday work I feel like the women around me are supported in in pursuing those positions in terms of intensive care and extended care I know definitely in terms of SOT there's a huge imbalance in terms of men and women in the role but we are seeing a bit of a change in terms of realizing that you know, the chicks can do it just as well, much see, as the guys. Well, this is a recent thing. And this is yeah. what I find real and hats off, sister. Because, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing it and this is, this is you are the generation that's changing that's changing what was a status quo yeah. in, in, in the workplace. And so, you know, every, every other female paramedic that comes through will see you and just it'll be an assumed thing that I can progress because you've done it. And, and then you get to experience the discomfort of maybe the, like the gender equality or the – you know, the imbalance of male and female there. And and that's the hard work. So it's really important. Well, talking about um, female role models, Sandy, uh, you've met two of my, um, (laughs) or maybe not role models, but oh, massive fan of uh, Sarah Harris from Studio 10. (laughs) Guys. Who is that? Uh, Excuse Sarah (laughs) Harris. Carrie Ann Kennelly. Oh. CAC. CAC. You've been in the same room. How's that going on the TV show? Was it oh, a little bit? It's intense. That mm. was that was live television. I and, know. Uh, it was pretty intense. And you think of dealing dealing with with death and and disability <laughs> on a daily basis would prepare you for stress. But nothing can, nothing can prepare you. Um, do you know nothing can prepare you for getting a full face of makeup <laughs> and having your hair all curly and sitting <laughs> on your shoulders? A bit fancy, didn't you? Oh, it was quite fancy. <laughs> no, that was really good. I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah. And um, there were some, um, you know, question, the questions that I've been asked. I get asked some great questions yeah. and I get asked oh, some there was really stereotypical. on there too, wasn't there? Oh, what's her face? I can't remember her name. She's. Um, uh, she's a comedian. But anyway, she asked you this uh, question about. Um, What's the most gruesome thing that you've yes. seen? We love seeing it. And your face was just like, bitch, please, <laughs> come on. <laughs> we get this all the time. This isn't what we want to be talking about. And it was time. really good. It was nice to on, answer uh, her. On mid-morning TV. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Do you really want to yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I could have answered honestly, oh, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Part of me would have liked to, but... No, it's it's not. You know, it's nice to pick up those questions and and uh, you know the sort of answers that there's a really good opportunity to to paint uh, you know a certain picture with the, with how you answer a question like mm. that and you know and kind of educate people I yeah. guess around why that might be a sensitive question and yeah. why we 
why we don't answer that question oh, I, honestly. Sometimes I don't have a problem with answering it sometimes, but I just know that um, the answer that they're going to hear is just going to, mm. you know. You cater your answer to your audience. So okay. if, it's, yeah, if I'm talking to true. other colleagues, hell yeah, I'll talk about oh, yeah. the most gruesome thing I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, the, those other colleagues are very unlikely to ask you that question as yeah. well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. You know, it's mm. the people who don't yeah, do true. the job who yeah. are the ones who are asking that question and then mm. they're the ones who I'm giving an answer to. And not prepared for the not, answer. Yeah. It is not the most gruesome <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. You know what? My parents ask me, they're like, oh, how was your day? Did you see anything bad? I'm like, you don't want to know the answer to that. Because yeah. my mum, it's like she sees one drop of blood, uh, it, let alone hears about it. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to faint. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Cannot cannot share that kind of information. Mm. so funny. Mm. Well, um, look, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll move along a little bit. And, um, Sandy, the best thing is you're sticking around for the whole episode. So yes. um, we get to hear your thoughts on everything, um, <sighs> which is great. But, um, guys, the AstraZeneca vaccine is out at the moment <laughs> and yeah. um, no longer provided uh, for people under 50. Have, mm. have, you, have, have you guys been immunised? I haven't yet, but I'm scheduled oh. for ne- in uh, ten day ten days time. Yeah, I've yeah. had one shot. Yeah, you? You? I've had both. Ah. Yeah. knocked me out. Did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one. Did you have uh, knocked me for six? Pfizer, Pfizer. or Pfizer? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. There's been a few reports of the second dose. Yeah. Um, so tell me, tell me the AstraZeneca thing under fifties. What's why? What's it doing? So from what I understand, I mean, I heard a little bit of this on Triple J this morning, but then I've been trying Triple to look J. it up. <laughs> Good old Triple mm. J. Um, I've been trying to kind of look it up, but I, I, essentially, if you don't um, cross promote. Yeah, <laughs> don't listen to Triple Networks J. No, no Sandy <laughs> listens to one hundred one point seven. <laughs> no, I only listen to this podcast on repeat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're in the car. But I think my understanding of it is that there's an increased risk of like clots with this condition. Yeah. It's like throm- thrombosis with thrombocytopenia. They, I'm not saying that very now. I'm not saying that. Thank they you. They were saying yeah. four to six in every million people Yeah, that's will it. So it's four to six. Clots. And this is based off UK data. So there's data from other countries that they're not kind of counting in that. But they're saying between four and six in one million are experiencing mm. blood clots. But of the people that get blood clots, I think there's been um, almost or just under half of those people. It's been fatal. Oh, okay. So it's kind wow. of like it's quite significant if you get it. But mm. the risk of getting it is so, so slim. But four. now... The is it less than winning the lottery? I have no I idea. I just don't know. Why, why prohibit it from all under 50s? Well, why not just the people who have low platelet count? Well, this is... They're not technically... Mm. Well, so now what the Australian government has done, I think, is is turned around and gone, look, we're, we're pulling the recommendation. So we're saying anyone under 50 shouldn't get it unless the, the risk... No, the benefit far outweighs the yeah. risk. Um, but then if you've had the first dose and you haven't had any issues, you can get the second. But then, so it's all a little bit conflicting. Okay. Mm. But I mean, I was thinking about this the other day and I was talking with um, my partner about it. And I was just thinking how I just feel personally like there's been a bit of fear mongering in terms of the media and mm. going, you know, this is a disaster. Like there's four people that have had blood clots and they're significant, I agree. But the risk, like you could walk, across the road and the risk of you getting hit by a car is significantly higher. Ooh. Well, I'm making this up, but I'm oh. assuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know 60% no. of all statistics are true? Yeah, I've um, heard that somewhere. But you know what I mean? Like there's risks in everything that we do every day. Mm. And four in a million is quite a small, like genuinely a really small number. Mm. What's the per- what's the percentage oh, there? Come on, don't do this. Right? <laughs> How many decibel points? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, we'll see how it goes. But I feel like it's been a bit of a, maybe a bit of an knee-jerk reaction. The AstraZeneca one, correct me if I'm wrong, has a far less, has far less efficacy, 60-something percent. I've, I've heard yeah, that as I've well. I've heard mixed things. The Pfizer one is like 92%. I don't know. I'm getting the Pfizer. So I haven't done a lot of research into AstraZeneca. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, maybe do a bit more research before I'm you under start 50. putting it don't out Don't need there. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think everyone needs to do their own research and do their own like risk analysis. Yeah. I mean, I think we've put this on the, the, the podcast before. I'm not a scientist. I, <laughs> I have to... What? Yeah, I know. I have to... Um, at the end of the day, I have to take the, the word of the scientists and, yeah. just, and just put a bit of blind faith where, where I need to um, because I could read the research that's available but can I decipher it? Uh, yeah, you know, mm. and and I, I would try. I would try my best. Mm. But you know what would help you with that? What's that? A degree in public health. Ooh, boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently doing biostats, and I want to uh, pull my hair out. But I'm anyway, sure there are a lot of our listeners doing public health that I just offended. But yeah, um, yeah, no, no, nah. that's me. fair. What do you think, Sandy, about the whole vaccine sitch? Well, I'm I'm just watching and waiting. Me too. Mm. I feel more confident about Pfizer, mm. but. As you mm. said, we're at the mercy of what we what we what we read and what we hear, and the yeah. we're very pro-vax here. Just we are. Just for everyone's knowledge, <laughs> if anyone was questioning it, we're very pro-vax. Well, it's, it's a bit of a biased sample here. It's mm. funny. Well, I mean, the the media they're just to to get views onto their websites to make money through advertising. Well, that's what so it is. I mean, I could go half an hour goes with this. everything. Yeah. Hey, should we come up with a clickbait title for this podcast? Well, that's what I've been trying to do for every bloody episode. <laughs> <laughs> You've we, we it. Just, yeah. Look, they are Lee getting bigger. Lee has a blood clot in no, an aneurysm like, We should yes. say vaccines are they, you know, vaccines are ridiculous No, or no, no, no. Like, Lee's just received AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Blood clots. May be occurring right now. Yeah. Find See, out. Oh, no, that's not that great. Yeah, yeah, probably not that many. Same can, as last week. <laughs> <laughs> we can work on it. We can work on it. Oh, uh, dear. All right, guys. Well, look, um, we've got three in the room today. Um, well, we've four, got th- actually. Oh, yeah, sorry. Four. You're counting yourself. Myself. No, no. Um, which means that's a, a great opportunity to um, to throw a little quiz at you. In yes. fact, one in particular called The Rack. Uh, the Rambling Ambos quiz. Sandy, uh, these two have their animal oh, noises. Can we change no. the no? no. <laughs> uh, what's your, what's your, well, um, we've got a, a moo. Moo. And a quack. Quack. Okay. Sandy. Yeah, I've got it. What's your, what's your animal noise? Oh, I'd get, get to pick any noise. Any mm. noise. Don't make it too obscure. Like, don't do a, some sort of lemur or something. <laughs> a lemur. <laughs> I don't even know. Alarm. What's a lemur? <laughs> a llama? No, a no, lemur is like a type of monkey-looking thing. Isn't oh, like, <laughs> I just, I I just did the alpaca. noise and you didn't. It was, it was oh. an underwater fish. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, no, it's not going to no, help no, you no. in the quiz. Okay, I'll do croak. Croak. Uh-huh. Love Get it. it. Yeah. Oh, croak. Croak. <laughs> yeah, very clever, very clever. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Damn it. All right, guys. Quack well, and croak. You've got to make them distinctly. Croak. Yeah. It's time to okay. play. So we're answering questions? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Clue me in here. So you've got a minute on the clock and we're firing away some questions at you guys. So um, best of luck. You You've ready? you got to buzz in croak, with your croak. animal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Use your okay. animal name. Okay, All right. Ready? Yep. Time to play the rack. Question one. The tragus is part of what part of the body? Quack. Oh, go. Yeah. Oh, correct. Well done. Number nice. two. A spinal injury can lead to what kind of shock? Quack. Lead. Neurogenic. Correct. Number three, what's the position called when a patient is lying face down with their Correct. arms and legs spread out? Prone. Correct. Added the other things just to trick you up there. <laughs> uh, number four, where on the tongue... Where, where on the Quack. body would Quack. you find... Tongue, 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 tongue. Yeah, you got that one. Congratulations. Um, number five, how many episodes are there in season one of Rambling Ambos? Ten, baby. Correct. Well done. Good. Number six, the CT scan was invented in which decade? 40s, 50s, 60s Me. or 70s? 50s. Incorrect. The Correct. 70s. The unguious is a what? Quack. Uh, fingernail. Correct. The what? 
number eight, morphine. <laughs> oh, guys, that is all we've got time for. And I think Lee. You've picked it up four. again. You've picked four. it up again. I know, I'm sorry about the person I didn't win the thing for. Yeah, if only that was last time. But all right, well, we'll be right back with the clinical corner. Stay with us. How do you always win? To celebrate our first birthday, the paramedicshop.com.au are giving you the chance to win the ultimate piece of paramedicine equipment, the Leatherman Raptor Trauma Shears. A product which needs little introduction comes with a 25-year guarantee and is packed with features to assist you on the front line. Valued at over $135, the Raptors now come in a range of colours to suit your personality. So, whether you're looking for a superior tool to enhance your practice or the perfect gift, you just can't go past a pair of these stunners. For your chance to win, jump onto our Facebook page at Rambling Ambos, like, share and tag two friends in the competition post. For all the latest paramedic gear and equipment, jump onto the paramedicshop.com.au. The winner will be announced on episode five. Good luck. Welcome back to the Clinical Corner. Today is Case Conundrum Day and our special guest co-host today, Sandy, is running us through the Case Conundrum. Sandy, what have you got for us? I've got a great one for you. Ready? Really? I am so ready. Okay. But I'm not very good at these. Just uh, oh, as don't a bit of a beat yourself up. down. Look, I just like to lower expectations. No, but no. then come out with the goods. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. It's all part of my plan. It's all part of your plan. I <laughs> yeah, see what nice. you're doing. Absolutely. All right. Okay, so you're kicking back on station. Mm-hmm. You're halfway through your rice bubbles with a with a crap ton of Milo on top. Yeah, oh, standard. Good. And yeah. the stalk, the call comes in mm. uh, for uh, falls for a fall. in a public place. For a fall in a public place. Fall. Mm. So you uh. ran to the ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, I'm finishing <laughs> yeah. my Milo. <laughs> but what sort of is it like an urgent lights and sirens job? Urgent lights and sirens. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Primary care. Primary care run to the scene. Yep. Mm. Okay. Then they find themselves there uh, with an adult patient mm-hmm. who has been moved to a room, say first aid room. Mm-hmm. And as the story goes, she, uh, this person was um, crushed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a standing upright position mm. by a 1,200 kilo elephant. Wow. Oh, okay. You don't She's do not, that very often. No, not something no. you do every day. Mm. Mm. Um, right. So not a fall then. Did that? Did well, that? I think she fell. Yeah. Did that <laughs> come down? Probably did fall. Did that come down in the notes that um, this this patient had been um, crushed? Negative. So, what notes did you have? So, the, so the, the information came from the primary care um, from their assessment of the scene and the patient. Oh, okay. In in the form of a urgent Report. level five backup required. Oh, wow. Yeah. For oh. a crush. So, when you say in the standing up position, so like an axial load kind of on on the head, or so imagine person person standing upright yep. mm. uh, is faced by an elephant. Yep. Elephant gets angry and charges at the at the standing human yep. mm. and uh, lifts the patient up by the tusks oh. and presses them very hard against a cement bollard. Ooh. Right. Oh, right. Gotcha. So the tusk is kind of pressing them. Yes. Yeah. Two, okay. two tusks, and so they're they're shorn off tusks. Oh, right. So they're not okay. like the big African tusks. Yeah. Yeah. Tusk. Yeah. Yep. And they're, they're lifted off their feet mm. and pressed against uh. um, a, a, a cement bollard. 
So like yeah, that. right. You might be getting to this, but which part did it compress? Upper chest. Upper chest. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah, yeah. Mid to upper chest. Mm-hmm. Fell you, to the ground. But you're, you're you're running to this job thinking not knowing this information. No, it was a, a one C fall. Okay. Let's call it a one C fall. Primary care gets there to a, to a patient conscious mm. and breathing. Mm. Okay, and so they've given a report on the radio. Just asked for ICP backup. Yep. Did they say that there'd been an elephant involved on the radio? Yes, they did. Yeah. So yep. more information comes to light, and wow. they they um, accurately um assess the the potential yeah. even though mm. this person's gcs 15 yeah okay because mm. i guess i'm just thinking about running to that job and what would be going through my head yeah and i feel like you know obviously chest injuries mm. but you're thinking about um pneumothorax tension mm. pneumothorax or bilateral or whatever well you're mm. thinking like is it penetrating or is it blunt mm. you know like that's true um yeah and what potential there's huge potential there but what has what has precipitated as a result of that blunt force? Is it, was it blunt or was it penetrating? Blunt force, blunt. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's pre- what's ha- what's what's come about from that? I guess would mm. be the questions that you're asking. Yeah. And you said initially, and they were GCS fifteen when the when the GCS fifteen primary yeah. care was there. Yes, so I guess you're looking at like I would think of that and go right. So they're not immediately dead. So right. there's wow. there's there's a huge range of potential for seriousness of injury. Mm. I guess mm. in that patient. Certainly enough to warrant putting the Milo down. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah, not, well, did not finish the bowl of Milo. Yes. I just want to say that to our listeners. Yes. You know? Good. Well, I mean, uh, um, never mind. I'm Speechless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah, okay. So, so what happened next? Okay. So um, so we're the backup. Yeah. And we turn up on, on scene. The next radio call that comes in, code two. Oof. Right, oh, okay. and and what was the time frame? So between code two that? meaning cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So the time frame. So let's say primary care there in under ten minutes. Yeah. We're there in at about the fifteen minute mark. There. So from GCS fifteen now to cardiac arrest within fifteen minutes. And within fifteen minutes, yes. Yep. Should, the, the patient would have had yep almost ten minutes of GCS yep. fifteen. So I'm thinking like tension pneumothorax potentially, cardiac tamponade, tamponade. maybe. Uh, what else? What else is going to cause that? I, I guess big rupture of some for some vessel, causing mm. like hypovolemic. Yeah, almost just mass internal bleeding yeah. and and yeah. So hypovolemia. That's where, that's where my mind is going. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Carl? Any thoughts? Yes. <laughs> Lots of them, <laughs> and you guys have just said them. All yeah, for of me, course, so mm. of you. course. What about her obscure clotting factor disorder? Yes. Did you think about that, Carl? Mm, mm. Could be an anaphylactic reaction to something in the tusk. Could mm. be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, but. Gosh, Unlikely, Sandy. but that's fine. All right, it gets a bit interesting now. So All right. you, okay, yeah. you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Jump in the back of the ambulance. Oh, so they've already loaded. Yes, there's lots of ticks here that happened um, yeah, from amazing. the primary care. Really, really excellent. So really great to the, the radio um, calls that they made, um, cluing us into what we, we're going to because yeah. like like you're talking about, like we want to have as much information as possible because mm. we've got five or six minutes to mentally prepare mm. for whatever we're doing. Mm. So, yeah, big tick. And the second big tick um, – was that they actually loaded the patient? Yeah, and this is this is occurring within a public place, so yep. there was mayhem. Yeah, mm. um, and uh, so the first thing that we do when we arrive is is step inside a, a closed environment. You know, into the, that's what you want. Yeah, you can control yeah. something. You know, yeah. get the bystanders out of the way and what have you. And so we look at the patient. So the next thing that I see, looking at a patient who is fitting. Okay. My first impression, allergic reaction. Really? Oh, stop it. I just said that. Get with yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I why why was reaction. that your first impression? First impression was allergic reaction. <laughs> but I didn't think tusks. 
Okay. But I should have. But why Why was really? that? You've just no. gone to a traumatic patient and yeah. you think allergic reaction. What prompted you to think that? Because my, my brain's trying to process all the information. It's looking for patterns. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you know, as, as, as clinicians that are, that are kind of processing this stuff in lightning speed, yeah. Yeah. the brain's furiously trying to look for things that, that associates from the past or it recognises yeah. and what have you. Exactly. So I'm looking at angioedema. Mm. I okay. see her face and I think she's got angioedema because right. I've seen it before. It's like massive... Yeah. So so puffy around the eyes that the eyes are, are, are forced shut. Yeah, yeah. So I'm starting to think, gosh, well, she's so throwing throwing you off. Well, potentially, yeah. yeah well, definitely. Okay, so let me just. So yeah. she looks like anaphylaxis. She's behaving like a, a combative head injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a little bit of fitting. Mm. So that what do you got for me there? I don't know the technical word for that. I feel like you're going to explain this much better than no, I will. No. Go for it. I was just like I feel like. This is going to sound dumb. The, there's a huge rush of like blood up to the head that's caused, like as in from the pressure, from the, pressure. the pressure on the chest has pushed like almost hypertension or whatever of the mm. head that you've got all this mass fluid and swelling and fitting because you've burst and you've had an aneurysm or something. Like a closed head injury kind of Munro Kelly doctrine thing where like you've got too much vo- volume in volume, the, the yeah. cranial vault. Yeah, you, I knew you'd say no, it's smarter never, than me. I didn't know that was a thing. What? Uh, well, I guess you're right. If you squeeze someone from the middle, I don't know if it is a thing. Well, I think it, the only reason that that would happen is if it was unable to come back down. So if there was some occlusion, some ah, some drainage okay. occlusion from the from the cranial vault, yeah. you may get it. But the brain is Gosh. pretty good at, at like one of those stress balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what bulge. I'm imagining. I mean, so you're in the back of the ambulance. You've been told that there's a like the the accident has involved this elephant. Um, was there much indication that it had could, that it could be a crush injury at first? Yes, and on exposing the chest, it was pretty. It was it, it was, was obvious because so there were two massive contusions. Yeah. So they were non-penetrating, well, but well, it was. We, we know what we're dealing so with. So cardiac arrest trauma. obviously didn't have any breath sounds, but were you able to? Um, ad- get a, an airway established and then listen to chest sounds? Well, this is a really good point mm. because you've got a patient here that's that's a crush, a chest yeah. injury, and there's about a thousand million priorities. Yeah. yeah. Airway, breathing, circulation, yeah. you know, posturing. They're, they're like an agitated head. They're ho- clearly hypoxic. There's mm. some unusual thing going on. The with angioedema. The, the yeah, that looks like angioedema. I'm not sure what it is, but it really looks like that. Yeah. So I guess it, now it becomes what are our priorities? Well, I think our priorities have changed probably since the job may have happened a while ago. I think you... We'd, we'd be on the 15-minute mark, 15 No, I mean, so like years ago. Oh, okay. Like and our, our, our tra- traumatic cardiac arrest treatment has changed yes, yes. significantly yep, and our priorities yep, yep. now are mm. very different to what they might have been at this stage. So now my priorities in trauma- traumatic cardiac arrest are going to be stop the massive hemorrhage and if there's none in this case, maybe bind the pelvis and mm. then pop the chest. Yeah. Right? Mm. And what was it? It was still that. It was still that. It, okay, it, cool. it was still that. But it, I guess in, in at, at that time it hadn't been kind of drilled into us yeah, as much. Yeah, yeah. So it felt like probably a bigger th- step to make, like to, to put all of those other priorities yeah. aside and, and kind of mentally we're dealing with like a, a bit of like, mm, okay, uh, that looks weird. Uh, I'm just going to pop that over on my mental shelf there and go, but like how do I assess those priorities? And mm. I guess for me it was like, the two bits of information that I've got is a trauma with the chest and rapid deterioration. Yep. Yeah, yeah. To you know, to 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 um, pulses bradycardia is what the patient was in at and, the time. And so they were in arrest when you arrived. Yeah. Yep. So okay. so compressions had just started. Yep. And yeah. And I mean, just thinking about logistically in terms of that, like if you've got a crush injury, was their chest quite obviously? 
crushed? Like, were they having any success in terms of compressions on a chest crush, in- crush injury? Uh, Another really interesting point with this one, of course, because, you know, if, this is a, if we're thinking decompression of attention in the mm. thorax, this is a skill that's rarely practised. I mean, I'd done a few, mm. um, but all of them had been on, um, you know, active code 2 patients, yep. the cardiac arrest patients that, that weren't going, that were just yeah. I- I within mm. that cardiac yep. arrest drill. So this was the, the first time I'd, I'd dealt with someone that, was, that wasn't there yet. Yeah. Mm. You know, she falling quickly into that state, but was you know, any moments before very much alive. And so, you know, the first thing I'm, I'm going, I'm mentally prepared for that, to, to, for that skill. And I'm, and I'm thinking mid-clavicular line, second mm. intercostal space. You're thinking anatomical landmarks and, and you've just, you, you know, yeah, you right. must prioritise that skill. And there were no anatomical yeah, landmarks. Yeah, that's the hardest patient. part. Yeah. So I'm thinking like this swelling Gosh. is potentially going to be, you know, build up of air underneath the skin yeah. from attention pneumothorax oh. right so potentially you've got that right the last time i saw it really badly was a motorcyclist who'd come off at high speed he was laying prone face down the ground and his entire back was um swollen and yeah. red and flushed ah. being and and it was it was subcutaneous emphysema from the the escape of air th- through the right through the, yeah, so i'm the, incorrect in my big old squeezy ball theory but i like your thinking and it's good to think actually like that yeah yeah so it's actually air it was yeah it was, it was, it was, you know, and uh, up until that point, the only experience I'd had with subcutaneous emphysema was someone saying, you know, people saying, oh, there's, feel the subcutaneous yeah. emphysema somewhere around the clavicle, yep. you know, it's a bit of snap, yeah, crackle, rice. pop, yeah, a bit of crackle. Yeah, like, like, ooh, like ooh. rice bubbles that you were eating beforehand. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. Cocoa Pops. Cocoa right. No, rice, rice bubbles, bubbles. Right. Yeah. 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 Lots yeah. of mileage. So you've, you've, you've eaten the rice bubbles and you've gone to scene and encountered more rice bubbles. There you go. <laughs> sure they weren't Big your time. rice bubbles. Anyway. Yeah, and so... Yeah, I mean, it was news to me, and 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 since that job, you know, you kind of we reflect and learn mm. and do a little bit of research, and there there is actually research out there, and um, part of the research actually goes into staging or grading subcutaneous emphysema, and mostly in the field, you're not going to see what they term grade four subcutaneous yeah. emphysema. Mm. So it starts on the front of the chest; it generally runs up to the to the, around the clavicle region yep. with this sort of injury, but then it it, it can extend up the neck. And in its mm. worst expression, which is like a grade four, I believe, or this A way of grading, yeah. it, it will extend up the chest, the neck, all the way up to the hairline, yeah. which this wow. patient, and down the arms, which yeah. actually affected cannulation. Made oh, cannulation yeah. really hard. So a couple of oh, things so that I, you ca- it's hard to cannulate, it's hard to identify yeah, I, landmarks for decompression. Well, she also, the patient also had a flail chest. So it also it was be kind of hard to, to manipulate an airway. I always, right? yeah. 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 I always uh, thought that um, subcutaneous emphysema is where the injury is. I didn't know that it travels down into the arms. Yeah. Well, it'll just follow like the path of least resistance, yeah. I guess. It'll yeah. escape from so the lungs. So I guess it's air, yeah. It's no, just it's the air. So every really breath out, like the, the, so the air goes in and this patient had nearly 10, 10 minutes of breathing in and mm. exhaling and that air escaping within her chest cavity and just running yeah, but wow. but you know to to the extent where it almost looks like there was a like a bike pump put under yeah. and just like yeah, imagine yeah. that pumped in yes. literally inflated, wow. you know like just I just can see how that could throw you a little bit. So yeah. Sandy, after sort of recognizing that, and did you get the chance to decompress? Yes, we did straight and, away. And positive hiss? Like no, sir. Oh, no, yeah. no hiss. So yeah. what happened? What were your what? Was yes. your treatment plan and what did let, you do? Let Sandy tell the story. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course, so we identify we've got enough information here to go ahead with the decompression. Yeah. As I said, there's a mechanism and there's yeah. a rapid deterioration of cardiopulmonary function yeah. to the point where they were effectively cardiac arrest. So all of the other priorities 
go out, the, go onto the shelf, yep. not mm-hmm. out the window, but onto the shelf. It's a bloody big because it's a reverse. Shelf. It's a big shelf <laughs> yeah. and it's a reversible cause. So we want to, we need to prioritize. Yeah, which is difficult because I think you know there are human factors in play, and so mm-hmm. w- you know I could, uh, we're confident at running a cardiac arrest drill. We're confident in treating a combative head. Not that mm. they were they were hypoxic. We're confident in in you know and putting the the leads on and running as a team and falling into line and doing those drills. Yeah. And this is what we have to do is like move against that kind of muscle memory mm. and go, mm-hmm. okay, we've got to get uncomfortable here, yeah. hold the compressions, moving back. Yep. Don't worry about the monitor. It, yep. it, it, everything has to go on hold and we must needle decompress right here. Yeah. We have to prioritise it over, um, you know, m- movement to hospital if that's going to interrupt that skill. Mm. You know, every, every bit of focus needs to be on that, which it was. And of course, you know, we're okay, we, we want that feedback. So we put the needle in and at that stage it was 12 gauge, 12 cath needles mm. and we're going to get that hiss. Yep. I'm going to know I'm in the right yep. space. Yep. No hiss, <gasps> no landmarks, Gosh. no nothing. And I'm like, oh, like no. Decompress the heart. <laughs> I don't know that it works. <laughs> the left ventricle. Yeah. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and then, that, you know, that decompress the That must be a bit demoralising. Yeah, a little in bit, a, in a sense. I guess, and you just kind of keep You're moving. Just like, yep, okay, all right, just didn't get on. it. We're just moving yeah, on. Yeah. We're just, you know, let's roll. Let's go to, let's get move in the direction to hospital, mm. and we've got a lot of other priorities to attend mm. to. So we decompress the next side, and you know, go about our business. And by the time that particular, you know, the 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 kind of final stages of that hypoxic yeah. kind of agitation had dropped. You know, the patient had moved into a genuine GCS three at this stage. So. Then the monitor goes on and um, uh, the next thing we know, assuming that those decompressions hadn't worked, were that the pulseless bradycardia had then jumped to a sinus tachy of 160. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pulseless. Gone from a pulseless bradycardia. Yeah. Decompressed. Yeah, yeah. Tacky 160. A pulseless tacky 160 or an actual output oh, of the tacky? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, right. Okay, yes. so you know it was then successful in some degree yes. because you've actually Gosh. got an output. That was the first sign. Yeah. That's what true. Uh, that was the first so sign. So no, um, was there adrenaline being pushed as well? No, so think no. about that. Like, can you talk no. about the 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 um, physiology of that? So releasing the the pressure on the the heart essentially or the or the vessels and why mm. did it go from a pulseless bratty to a sinus tachy? Yeah, great. So, so you've, you, you p- picture your thoracic sort of chamber Mm. and you've got your lungs and your heart, everything's in there. The patient breathes in and as they, they go to breathe out, the air doesn't escape out of the respiratory system, out of the mouth and out of the mm. nose. It, it, it escapes within yeah. that cavity. Yep. And so there's a, a compression happening of all of the organs and whatever's in that upper chest, yeah, including okay. the lungs. So they're getting squashed down, including the heart. Yep. Yep. So you imagine there's a force like just ramming down mm. which is the air that can't escape and it's spilling out everywhere and it's escaping up through the under the skin and it's puffing now, up up to the eyes and now it can be it, released it, and yeah so what we want to do is give it an escape yeah mm-hmm. get that excess air escape so it comes out and some of that pressure is relieved and the heart can start you know the force of contraction can pick up and of course this patient's very hypoxic so mm. all of those signs of hypoxia kick in the but sympathetic obviously nervous you've system done that in a timely fashion so you've saved this patient's life because had you waited and waited or had it not been done, then that wouldn't have been the outcome. No. The, the sinus wow. tachy wouldn't have been yeah. because there would have if been too, too long. You know, yeah, so exactly. We would have been turned into a cardiac arrest drill that probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. No. And so what was the outcome? So en route to hospital, yeah. that beautiful sinus tachycardia that you're just like, oh, man, something must have gone right. Yeah. Mm. 
attending to all of the other um, priorities, of course, airway then becomes the next priority yep. um, on the list. So I move up to the airway and intubate the patient because yep. they're GCS3. Um, a few minutes to go before we, we're going to rock up at the hospital and I put the blade into the mouth and there's a little bit of a flicker or a movement, a bit of a response. So I remove the blade from mm -hmm. the mouth, put my hand in the patient's hand. I say, squeeze my hand. They squeeze my they hand. Squeezed your mm. hand. Oh, that's yeah. special. So they've gone from a GCS yeah. thirteen, uh, sorry, three, and then um, we hand over a patient GCS ten. Mm. Yeah, wow, well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's great. a very do you know the, job. Do you know the long term follow up of that patient, or you're not sure? Yeah, I do actually. So some we were talking about some of the injuries. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to know some? Yeah. Of some of the injuries. Please. Okay, so they had. Um, uh, it significant subcutaneous mm. emphysema that mm -hmm. was a really big big thing that came up on the ct scans and stuff so they had um uh some vertebral fractures mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. um there was organ some organ uh, damage right. um uh flail chests yeah, so yeah. most of the ribs were broken and two major Ouch. flail segments yeah um no spinal cord no brain wow. um patient discharged from hospital in under two weeks wow <laughs> you're kidding they're Gosh. so lucky aren't they no long -term they're lucky, they're lucky that they got those injuries, but they're yeah. lucky that they had you, Sandy, yes. turn up and treat them so well. Gosh. Well, just yay to yay to you know the sort of healthcare that we can provide here, yeah. you know, and the sort of extensive skill set that mm. that, right. that every ambulance has and now. Then, yeah. And then and then you go to the lady with the eyelash, the next the next job. <laughs> but um, but that's the state of play yeah. that we are yeah. working. Really, or the lecky blanket, yeah. you know, yeah. when it's too hot, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Turn it down to one, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess I just one last question. I guess so for. For listeners at home, like I've only seen subcutaneous emphysema once. Like, do you have any tips in terms of recognizing it, escalating it, what to do with it, that sort of stuff yeah, in, in general patients? Of course, and really good question. And I just, it was the biggest learning curve for me. Yeah. I had no idea that subcutaneous emphysema mm. could be so extensive and what it looks like. It mm. looked like angioedema. Yeah, okay. Mm. That's the learning. But yep. the, the patient wasn't pink, mm. okay, and there was no history of allergies. Yeah. But in yeah. hindsight, when I was talking to my colleagues, I was like, you know what? You'd have to forgive someone if they treated that as an allergy. Yeah. You'd have to. Can so. I just add there that you don't – for our listeners as well, don't necessarily rely on um, subcutaneous emphysema to diagnose tension pneumothorax. Um, it's sometimes present, but not always. And I think it's just important to know that, um, you know, if you're looking for it, great. If you don't see it, the deteriorating patient with blunt force trauma mm. as a mechanism should be considered for decompression. D yeah. 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 No, fair enough. No, good point. But um, look, Sandy, uh, guys, and that's all we've got time for today. Um, Sandy, it's been amazing having you on today's show. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And uh, guys, if you want to read Sandy's book, get your hands on a copy. It's called Paramedic, The Remarkable Resilience of the Human Spirit. And you can get that from all good bookstores. <laughs> Love a good bookstore. Yeah, and I've always wanted to say that. So um, that's great. But um, Sandy, you've got the driving song for us today. What is your emergency driving song that you've got? Well, well happy birthday, guys. Thanks oh, for thank having me here. And I just like my all-time favourite of all favourite songs to fang down the road yep. is the Australian National Anthem by John Farnham. Ah, yeah, nice. you're the voice. Yeah. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here with us today. And for everyone tuning in, thanks for getting us to our first birthday too. Couldn't have done it without you. But um, make sure you jump onto that Facebook post, like, share and tag two of your mates and uh, you can win. But uh, until next time, guys, stay safe. Goodbye. Adios. See ya. See ya. The chance to turn the pages all around.
wanna ride We gotta make ends meet Before we get macho 